0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Fret Success Guitar Show. Uh, today we have Jason Lolla on from uh, Lolla Pickups. That's a bit of an intro. Jason uh, has been a guitar luthier since 1979. He's very much an authority when it comes to uh, electric pickups, and uh, he even has a book on winding the things as well. So let's say hello to Jason. How are you, Jason? Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I thought I would just pick your brains on pickups and guitar tone and things like that. So it's sure. great to have you on for some insight. And uh, yeah. Thank you. So I'd love to know initially kind of what what's your background. I know, I know you were a luthier, but how, how did you get from being a luthier into kind of the pickup manufacturing stuff?
1: Yeah. Um... I I started building guitars when I was in high school, in in school. And then I went to a a, a school in Arizona called Roberto Venn School of Luthieri And that was uh, 78, 79. And um, they taught us how to make very rudimentary pickups uh, like what Mosvart used to make. Pretty Mm -hmm. much similar to that, where uh, this is back when... uh, you couldn't just buy the forms that you wind the coils on. You couldn't buy, like, humbucker bobbins or strap bobbins. You had to make everything uh, yourself. So it was that f- far back. Now it's a lot easier to do because you can buy all that stuff pre-made anymore. But that didn't even happen until about 2000. So so just rudimentary Here's how you. Here's how it's done, and um, and then they just left it up to us to figure out the rest. You yeah. it was all
0: trial and error and uh, experimentation. So you kind of went from that initial period of trial and error and experimentation. But did it take a long time for you to hone your skills as a pickup manufacturer? And how did you kind of manufacture them? In you know the first one you made, where you were like, "This one's actually working well," and what I want, what was that?
1: Well, at first, I was just making uh, pickups for the guitars that I was building, and uh, I would occasionally repair a pickup for people. Uh, but then, uh, after I wrote that book about winding pickups, people started contacting me to make them custom custom items that you couldn't buy off the from like DiMarzio or Seymour Duncan or you know stuff for nine strings or thirteen strings or this or that you know so um i, I kind of just learned by doing and uh eventually you figure out one of the one of the big things is figuring out what are all the variables what kind of different things can you do to that make a difference in the, the sound or the output and uh that takes took quite a while to figure out what all the variables were um and once you of figure that out, you, you're sort of able to plot a direction. You know, there's, there's certain attributes about the way pickups are made, whether it's a, a tall, narrow coil or a low, wide coil or the type of magnet you use or the type of pole piece you use uh, or the type of metal in the cover or, or metal base plate that you use or um, that all all make a difference and um, the thing is you can easily fool yourself into thinking that you've a change you made made this difference uh, when actually maybe it didn't because you didn't really compare it in a scientific way where you know you change one variable at a time and you compare it to the the version before and then eventually you'll, you'll say okay if I make the tall the coil taller and everything else is equal, then it's going to have a
0: brighter sound to it with less bass. So were you kind of replicating pickups initially and then getting them to sound the same kind of a repair situation? Trying to do that.
1: That was a big drive uh, back in the mid-90s all, all the way to... It started then was people wanted pickups to sound and be like the old ones, you know, whereas when DiMargio came out in the middle, mid-70s, they were trying to make a hotter pickup than... the. The original ones, but then people sort of had a fetish going about the old pickups, so um, that was kind of a big part of it. Was trying to learn how to make new ones sound like the old original ones. So that was a focus of yours, really, kind of retroing pickups, if you like, quite a bit, uh, along with custom-made stuff for pickups that didn't exist. You know, for weird instruments that people were building, like uh, zithers or. Coimbas or, you know, just a number of things, not even
0: guitars sometimes. So the company kind of progressed naturally from that kind of process into pickups? Yeah,
1: and eventually we just stopped building guitars when I started hiring other people, you know, it became more focused on just making pickups. And uh, we also uh, did a lot of uh, making pickups for uh, uh, guitar companies like uh, the smaller ones at first like National was I think was the first one that we started uh, National Resophonic they started buying our pickups and uh, places like Maton you probably heard of Maton Uh, um, uh, of course Gibson and Fender and uh, Paul Reed Smith they all use our stuff in custom shop items Uh, sometimes occasionally on on a run for some stores or Gibson did the Chris Cornell uh, signature guitar with our pickups, which that just sold to general music stores to the general public. Um, but that's, that's been a big part of our business, too, Is just working for other guitar
0: makers. So what's that been like, working for other guitar manufacturers? Uh, were you kind of involved in the pickup selection process? What was the design principles like?
1: It's all over the board. Sometimes we'll um, make something specific for them to, to uh, come up with uh, something that they had in mind from the get-go other times they just want our stock items because people know what all our models are and uh, our pickups are desirable so sometimes sometimes uh, we help them sell their guitars because of our name other times it works the other way around where you know people will buy a fender even if they don't know lawler pickups is they figure if it's an offender it's got to be good you know so it it kind of goes both ways as far as that goes so um occasionally we'll make something completely from scratch and and uh have all the tooling made for the, for the pickup covers and the base plates and all the metal work has, has to be stamped with a you know great big pneumatic press and stuff and we'll we even go that far where i draw it up and Put all the angles on it so it'll release from the mold when it comes out and uh we also have uh we've had a lot of injection molds made and all that stuff um you know i, I took a, a little bit of drafting uh, in in uh you know college uh went for like a year to learn how to draft and that that became really helpful uh to be able to have parts manufactured for us and of course we still make a lot of our own parts too with uh, the laser cutter or the milling machine uh, yeah so that that sort of uh, that's always been available to us that we were making our own parts because you couldn't buy the parts at the time and so those kind of capabilities uh, kind of set us apart from a lot of other uh,
0: pickup manufacturers that don't have molds made. They just buy parts off the shelf. So what are the differences between those kind of off-the-shelf mass-produced pickups and, say, ones where everything's, you know, handmade, custom-built? Our, our consistency is really good because we hold our super-tight tolerances
1: to... We, we measure the inductance and the resistance, and we have our own coil wire made for us, so a specific size. And um, our, our handwork is just tends to be sometimes miles above some of the other ones. Uh, Some of them that are just, some of the uh, imported ones, I don't think they even really listen to them. Uh, (laughs) I think they just wind it, it works, it's got the right ohms, sell it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of subtle differences that uh, you can put into a pickup That uh, affect the tone a lot, and you definitely want to have consistency. You need to know how to make each one consistent. Otherwise, when somebody buys something, they want something just like their friend has that you made, and they buy it. If it's not consistent, it's not going to sound anything like what the other guy has, and that's not what they want. So,
0: no, that's no good. Like, yeah, that'd be annoying, especially if you even to buy like a pair of pickups. And sometimes I've had them where they're not even sounding the same as a pair. Yep. Yep. That's just, just annoying as hell. So. And
1: that's one thing that Collings Guitars, Collings is a manufacturer in Austin, when they were deciding who was going to make their pickups, they bought pickups from a, a bunch of different manufacturers. And then they they listened to them and figured out which ones they liked the most. And then six months later, they ordered the same exact pickup model from everybody. And then they went back and they found on some of the samples that they got from these manufacturers that they didn't sound anything like what they bought the first time. <laughs> and and that was really one of the big reasons they went with us is because the consistency was so much better than uh, some places with big names, you know.
0: How can you rely on pickups? Uh, how can you, I don't know, you sell like boutique guitars, you know, these aren't like cheap guitars people are building with these things. And No,
1: we won't even sell to somebody that's not... You know, the guitar's got to have a couple thousand dollar value or $1,800 yeah. or something. It's not worth it for them, you know, to spend, even under buying wholesale. wholesale. it just it doesn't make sense. And, um,
0: you know, we we want to deal with the, the high-end guys anyway, so. Well, yeah, because you make a product that you're proud of and you want to yeah. showcase it on the highest guitar, but then also they appreciate your of consistency and the effort you go through to
1: yeah, how many hoops we jump for through for them, you know it's,
0: do a lot of work for some of these guys i'm always interested to hear how important it is to get pickups that are designed for your guitar i know like often there's like a strat version a tele version you know what what goes into the design is it just replicating retro models to make them sound like it or are there certain other nuances in there
1: so basically after making custom weighing for people for a number of years and made having made hundreds of strap pickups for people and hundreds of tele pickups you just listen to to the people telling you what they want what they want out of it they want a certain amount of mid-range out of it a certain amount of bass certain amount of output certain amount of smoothness or brilliance and eventually you'd figure out people want one of four or five different things typically so the models we make, that was, those are mostly driven off of people's requests for, that they wanted a certain sound out of their, their telly. So a lot of our stuff was driven that way. Other stuff that we make, uh, you know, we had an idea that if we had this, people would buy it, and uh usually it turns out that they do want to buy it because we've made so much stuff for people. We
0: have a pretty good handle
1: on it, you know, what they, what people want.
0: Yeah. I always wonder what the differences were. And like, when you talk about, you know, designing for smoothness and mid range and base, what are those like briefly, what things kind of drive those things?
1: There's a number of different Alnico, which is aluminum nickel cobalt. It's a magnet. It's a type of magnet they invented after like world war two or during world war two. Um, and uh, it's a permanent magnet, and it has different amounts of aluminum, nickel, and cobalt for each type grade. And it's Alnico 2, Alnico 3, Alnico 4, Alnico 5, Alnico 8. Um, they all have a different strength, uh, and they all have a different compositions. So it, it uh, affects the, the inductance, which is the ability of the coil to induce a a voltage between the magnet and the coil uh, with the vibrating metal string Uh, and uh, how much, how efficient the uh, coil uh, generates certain frequencies is dependent on the type of Alnico magnet inside of the coil. Right, And that's like on a fender pickup. Like on a Gibson pickup, the, the magnets are not inside the coil, typically they're outside of the coil, and they use a metal steel pole piece that runs through the coil. And the different kinds of metal, you know, different kinds of steel, 1018, uh, 10, 1020, uh, that have slight differences in sound too. So um, when we're dissecting a pickup to try to figure out. How to make a new one we will we will have we send the metal pole pieces off and have them burned up in a, a spectrograph and they can tell exactly what percentage of what metal is in that uh, piece of steel and they can tell you what what grade corresponds to what they just burned up so you know it, we'd go that far to do that uh, so that's one thing: is what kind of steel is in the coil, what kind of magnet is in the coil, the the, the size of the wire that's in the coil, uh, the amount of turns, uh, the height of the coil, or the, the high, high and narrow coil or a low and wide coil. All, all sounds different. The uh, uh, type of insulation on the on the coil wire makes a slight difference. Um, any metal anywhere near the pickup is going to affect the inductance too. So, whether or not it's in the coil or, or it could just be underneath the whole assembly. Uh, if it's brass, it's going to have a different sound than steel or, or nickel, silver, which is a different type of brass. Aluminum would really tends to uh, really make everything sound dark when you get aluminum anywhere near the coil. Like those old, uh, Fender guitars from the 50s, uh, you had the aluminum pickguard. Yep, sure. Those always sound different than one with a plastic pickguard. The darker kind of sound. So so yeah, there's just a a lot of variables to it. Uh, How many turns per layer you put on. So as you're winding the the wire across the coil, if there's uh, 60 turns per layer, that means the bobbin goes around 60 times. From one side of the coil to the other 60 turns 60 turns 60 turns so if it's 120
0: turns that's going to sound different than 30 turns per co- per layer in what ways do they change the sound like how many what does that do to the sound well
1: to a certain point the more uh the more turns you get on per layer up to a certain point where they start crossing over each other. But if you're, if you're trying to get them to lay right next to each other, you can only get so many turns mm-hmm. as you go across. Okay, so the more turns you get as you go across up to your limit, then the higher the inductance is going to be. So you get more output, you get more bass out of it. If you're scattering it around back and forth, you'll get uh, less output, you'll get a little bit less bass, you'll get a l- little bit more
0: brilliant, punchy sound. Uh, so what would you say affects the tone of a pickup the most? Like, what was the thing that you thought, wow, when you're designing them and learning how they all work, what was the thing that you thought, this is the thing that's kind of so variable and has to be consistent?
1: It would have to be the the shape, the actual shape of the coil, the size of it. Ah, okay. right. Wow. Because you can put the same amount of turns on a tall, narrow coil and the same amount of turns on a short, wide coil, like a P90 or something, compared mm-hmm. to a Strat. And given the same exact magnets and everything, uh, you're gonna get a huge difference in sound from that. Even a wow. even a thirty second of an inch difference in height is you can hear it. It's noticeable. It'll be noticeably brighter with just a strat coil that's just a thirty second of an inch taller than another one. Everything else being the same.
0: So it's such a small. That's pretty different- dramatic.
1: um, then secondarily you know the magnet type if you put a real strong magnet on here it's going to sound completely different than one that's very weak Um, and thirdly would be you know the amount of turns you put on Uh, you know if you put 4,000 turns on a coil compared to one that's got 7,000 turns on it it's going to be very different Not so much out of the ballpark, but not like it sounds like a completely different pickup. It's just going to sound, um, it's going to have, be a lot brighter sounding with less bass and mids, you know, and you're going to get more output out of the uh, higher wind one and more bass and mids.
0: What are some of the, like, more crazy designs that you tried in the past that didn't really pay off, like?
1: That didn't pay off. Oh, there's been very few that we've discontinued.
0: Right. See so um, a good track
1: record. <laughs> yeah, we don't really. Yeah, we know. You tend to um, some some um, haven't sold as well as others. But yeah, I think I can only think of like maybe one or maybe two. I can't even think of two that uh, we discontinued. But we've we've made a lot of. Weird stuff. Oh well, for one thing, uh, used to have a lot of guys uh, that wanted uh, electric violin pickups made, okay. and um, the way a typical guitar pickup is made, they don't sense the string vibration like you do when you, you when you bow a string. The string is vibrating on a different plane than when you pluck it. So with a typical magnetic electric guitar pickup design like a strap pickup or something you put it underneath a set of violin strings and it, you get very little output out of it but then if you pluck the string all of a sudden it's loud Yep. you need to read totally redesign an electric guitar pickup to work on a, a violin pickup so i just i tell people about that and i just i don't i tell them here's why it doesn't work and <laughs> you know i don't really have time to uh we are not go in there yeah <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that. I don't have any, any more time to deal with that.
0: So you do make bass pickups. So, oh yeah. What what's the difference between that and a, and a regular guitar pickup? Is it like different pole sizes and
1: Yeah, but mostly it's um it's a different pole spacing. The the coils are not all that different. They are longer. Um mm-hmm. So one of the, this is kind of interesting about coils is that a lot of times guys want Oh, a single pole pickup to pick up one string, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll yep. want one for each string, so they can put them into six different amplifiers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, a coil that's that's that small, it's not long anymore. It's a completely different size and length than a one with six poles, and it's only got one pole in it instead of six. So mm-hmm. it does not give you the kind of output and the sound that you would. Expect out of a uh, like a six string with six poles with ten thousand turns. You put ten thousand turns on a single pole, and uh, you get very little out of it. You really you got to preamp it. Um, so, as first as bass pickups go once when you go from four pole you know four string to a five string, the coil gets longer and you get the extra pole pieces in it, so it, it changes the tone. It gets fatter. You can't you can't really get it to sound the same as a, exactly the same as a four string bass pickup. And uh, people people are always saying, how come I can't get my five string to sound exactly like my four string? Um, it's just because the coil geometry is different and the uh, amount of uh, pole pieces. I and mean, you can you can put less turns on it and stuff, and it'll, it'll sound pretty close. But if you're listening with dog ears, you know you'll you'll hear a
0: hear a difference. So do you also supply base pickups to the bigger manufacturers as well?
1: I don't know if we've ever sold base pickups to like Fender, maybe, but with Sadowski, uh, mm-hmm. Nash, um, lots of lots of the smaller builders uh, built base, bases, so we supplied them with those too.
0: Yeah. So I've always wondered about uh, the difference between active and passive, and I've played a couple of active guitars over my life, and yeah. I never really fell in love with them. I've always been a passive guy. What's yeah. your kind of thoughts on that?
1: I've spent a lot of time before I went professional with full time pickup making. I uh, was doing repairs. I spent a lot of time pulling active systems out of bases, o- old ones, you know, that the wires start to fray. You know, mm. and then once that wire is fraying, then you start getting all this crackling noise because there's voltage going through it. And a uh, highly preamped, and um, I just I just don't know that much about active pickups, uh, so I couldn't tell you how differently to wind them. I, I do know that those uh, single pole ones, or sometimes like for Charlie Hunter, he's a kind of a known. Sort of jazz guy. He runs he runs a three pickup with three poles under his bass strings and a pickup with four poles under his treble strings. And he sort of plays like he'll slap triads on the bottom and then he plucks chords over the top. So it sounds kind of like a organ player almost, you know. (laughs) And and any of that stuff benefits from a, a simple preamp that you can buy from like Bartolini.
0: Yeah, no, no. I just wondered. I just, I've never been an active person. I just always thought the passive sound better.
1: You know, they they work really good with if you just like to plug into an amp and make the amp work. Yeah, they work really. They're wonderful. The passive ones. Yeah, don't have to worry about your battery in the middle of a set. You know how many times has that happened? Yeah,
0: the bass player. Oh, my battery. <laughs> So yeah, the, I know you do pedal steel ones, and that's something that I'm really not aware of. What mm-hmm. what is the difference between them? I know you've got like a horseshoe shaped one. How, how do they how do they work? Oh,
1: that's a that's a interesting uh, pickup. The, the horseshoe is actual; it's a magnet, and those were some of the first electric guitar pickups made back in the '30s. Um, you can find those horseshoe magnets. They used them in those uh, old telephones where you cranked it. You know, you would mm-hmm. crank it first, and it was generating a, a voltage with a coil in there that rotated around the <laughs> the, the horseshoe. So they had all these horseshoe magnets, and uh, they just pulled them out of those and made guitar pickups out of. It at first, I'm sure. Um, so what that does it makes a really efficient uh, an efficient coil because your your magnet magnet is completely surrounding the coil and the strings and so it's just a higher efficiency you don't have to you can get a better uh frequency response more flatter frequency response
0: because the field's more consistent or
1: it's more consistent you don't have to use
0: as many turns
1: of uh, yep. wire which basically more turns the wire it, it uh, eventually the resistance of the coil will will pull down uh, the treble frequencies because that's the first thing it goes when you run uh, a signal through a resistor. It starts yeah, sure. pulling yeah. that down. So that's one. And then there's um, a little bit later on, they made something called a string-through pickup, which has a steel plate on the bottom and then some coils, and then the strings go over the coil, and then there's a steel plate over the top, and there's magnets connecting the top plate with the bottom steel plate. So it's kind of a, just another way to make a horseshoe, but with a much less expensive magnet than those big uh, horseshoes. Yeah. They look like, yeah, quite meaty. So, oh yeah. So, so those were, you know, from 1930s, uh, all the magnets were big because they didn't have Alnico or ceramic right. magnets yet. So that's what they had to use. So, once they were able to get magnets that were stronger in the horseshoe and much smaller, then it, it allowed uh, the design of the, the pickup to really take a big step forward.
0: You know. When I'm trying to tweak my tone and guitar tone, what, as being a luthier and a pickup manufacturer, and I'm sure you've delved in all sorts of other electronic elements, um, what do you think affects guitar tone? The most, aside from the player, which gets pushed around a lot, but yeah,
1: uh, yeah, the player, of course, and the yeah. amp, and uh,
0: hmm.
1: well, it's a combination of the type of the pickup you use and uh, the design of the guitar and the the uh, components in the guitar. The the wood makes a difference, although I wouldn't say it's always. It's not necessarily predictable, you know, because you can yeah. get one piece of ash that sounds completely different than another piece of ash, you know. And then another thing that people don't really often think about is the the potentiometers of volume and tone pots. Mm-hmm. Those are they're not an exact measurement of the ohms. You know, th- those vary in sometimes 20% difference. Wow. And uh, so a 550K pot could actually wind up being 450K or... 650k or something like that. You know, it can be in between that, and that makes a difference there. If you're trying to compare one guitar to another, which we do a lot, uh, we go in and we match all the pots between the two guitars to an exact amount so that uh, you put a pickup on one guitar and a pickup in the other. You got to compare them, you got a much better chance of both guitars sounding exactly the same. But even at that, even after we do that and we listen to them, we'll take the pickups out of one guitar, the one guitar, put it in the other one, and take that pickup that was in that, and put it in the other, and then listen to them again, just to out, you know, to rule out that there's a difference in the wood of the guitar. And sometimes there is. One guitar will always sound a little bit brighter than the other, you know, if you know the woods just slightly different, even though it's the same species. It's the thing we could debate for hours and hours now. Is It's uh, Oh yeah. And I wondered if a lot for, of people per, say, "Oh, the the." If you read forums and stuff, a lot of people say, "Oh, the wood doesn't make any difference." Yeah, it does. <laughs> of course,
0: it does. <laughs> That's why we use all these different words. I mean, yeah. I've got a background in uh, acoustics, did degree in acoustics and stuff. So we did musical mm-hmm. acoustics as part of that, and. It makes such a difference. Um, yeah,
1: well, especially in like acoustic guitars, it's even yeah. more more apparent. Yeah, but even there, there was an article in the uh, Guild of American Luthiers publication, uh, uh, American Luthiery, where they took a they took a vibrating table with the you know have you seen how they do with vi- violin tops they put glitter on it, and yep. they vibrate the speaker underneath the guitar at different frequencies, and just mm-hmm. the shape of the solid body guitar like an Explorer or a flying V at certain frequencies of the nodes that are vibrating in the, in the uh, wood of the guitar body. It's totally different just from the
0: shape. Well, yeah, each one has its own resonant kind of pattern at each frequency. So how can you say it doesn't make a difference? Yeah. But potentially you can kind of think there's less influence on an electric guitar just because of the way the strings kind of do it, but it's still, it's still there. The strings move in a certain way because of it being attached to this wood and it's resonating. Yep.
1: It affects the way the string moves because that's dampening certain frequencies of the string and accenting others, and yeah, you bet. And, that, and then the other really important thing is, you know are the strings really old? Mm-hmm. Are the strings new? That makes a huge
0: difference. If you're listening, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you care. <laughs> I do, um, but some people don't.
1: Yeah, some people don't listen as much about it. No. You know, They're not so concerned, and that's fine.
0: I've tried loads of strings, and the, the strings I tend to prefer now are these Alexa strings. I just find they have... Are those the coated the ones? Uh, yeah, I like the Nano Web ones. The, the, I just find they're like a 52 to 10, so they've got a nice low end, kind of a bit tighter on that end.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 52, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a brand called Pyramid Strings oh, okay. that, that doesn't have a hexagonal core... In the wound strings, it's got a yeah, round yeah. core, and they they whip around. You grab the end of the string, and you're just whipping it in the air. It's like going nuts, you know. Whereas a hex <laughs> doesn't. It's they're way stiffer, and uh, they sound different. I don't really, I don't really like them so much because I hit mm-hmm. the strings so hard that when they're that floppy,
0: it, it, that get too much buzzing out of it. But yeah, yeah I'm the same. I need them. I need more. Yeah, Keep kicking back. And- yeah yeah so much I mean, always on a quest for more more tone, different tone, and uh, yep. I, I, they must have some stories of artists that have come to you for like pickups, or one guy
1: that I worked uh, with a lot, his name is named Steve Kimmock, mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he didn't play yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the dead and stuff like that <laughs> and he's Steve Kimmock, yeah, he was, last time I saw him, he was playing with Bernie Worrell. the uh guy he was a player that died a couple of years ago, he used to play at parliament. George Clinton. You know, he would call up and talk to him for a long time. And <laughs> he swore that he could tell if, when he initially hit the note on his guitar, he could tell if the speakers were going backward or forward in the amp. Really? <laughs> and he could. I I can't hear that. No, I can't. Wow. No, but he could hear it, and i i he convinced me that he could hear it because I tested it <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yeah, we did a bunch of stuff with him uh he helped us he 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 wanted that uh blade jazz master uh the first blade blade uh jazz masters pickups we made were were for him um but we've uh, Charlie Hunter. That's another guy that spent a lot of time with. Uh, did some stuff for well, a number of people. I don't know if they want me to say because some of them have endorsements for you know. Right. Okay. I can tell you that a lot of the endorsements, guys that have endorsements, are using our stuff and uh, can't, <laughs> can't say anything about it. Or we we'll go, you know, we'll we'll give you. Uh, Pickup if you do a, a video or something for us, and eh, I can't do that. Yeah, I've, I've signed my life away to this pickup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people, you know, they they pay the full price and they don't want to hear about it.
0: Uh again, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of that for sure. I mean, that's interesting because I always wondered, like, about those deals whether the guys actually use the gear when they actually came down to it, you know, in the studio or on, even on the guitar. But that's so cool to hear that insight that they're just, just not doing it in some instances.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. huge names that play like, uh, uh, arenas and call Sam's <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I never thought when I was a teenager working in my mom's basement, that I'd be working for all these people. Yeah.
0: That's so rewarding, though, getting to that point and being able to help those guys out. It's amazing. I'm still amazed about it. Uh, Usually,
1: yeah. It's not so unusual, but it's just thinking back where it came from, you know, working at a gas station and stuff, you
0: know. (laughs) Just playing around with uh, magnets and wire can get you somewhere. Yep. People obviously buy. You know, cheaper guitars and upgrade pickups. How much difference and how much value do you think that brings to to a guitar? Say, buying like a you know a squire guitar and throwing one of your pickups on it. Is it going to revolutionize it or
1: no? No. Um, what you would do is when you go to sell the guitar, you pull the uh, pickups out and sell those separately because they, they hold their value pretty pretty damn good or all, or have for over the last twenty years. You know, yeah, it doesn't really add value to the guitar, but. You can put the original pickups back in, and uh, you know you still got a valuable piece that you can either sell or reuse. So,
0: yeah. But in terms of like upgrading guitars, for say, and putting your pickups on them, how much difference does that kind of make? The actual sound
1: it can it can change it completely into something that's usable or better than usable. Yep. Once in a while, I've had uh maybe. Less than one percent. The guitars are just something was with the guitar. The wood in it maybe it wasn't cured right or something. It just didn't sound so good. Or um, some of the older uh, uh, Gibson, uh, uh, like one twenty fives, two twenty fives, the the hollow bodies with the P nineties. That that particular cable that they use, um, it's got like a braided shield out, outer. For the ground and uh, and an inner insulated wire, and that'll get corrosion in the wiring uh, on the outside and the inside. And if you don't replace that wiring, you're not going to get the benefit out of the of the new pickups because it's it's killing the killing all the high high end
0: clarity. Yeah, but generally, like adding a pickup is probably the quickest way to improve like, oh, yeah. the tone of guitar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: if it's set up nice, if the guitar's set up nice and it plays
0: well, yeah, it, it's gonna make a, a big difference in, in most cases. You know, there's a big range of outputs on pickups now. Is it good to get like a, a medium range one or go for something really hot? Or yeah, well, you kind of gotta
1: know your amp. You know, yeah. some amps you can you can gain it up so much that you don't really. To me, it sounds better with a lower output pickup. So when mm-hmm. you gain it up, you still got some clarity to it, rather than just getting all fuzzed out and no punch anymore. You know, because you do
0: want some dynamic range. It just smashes the preamp, doesn't it, section and just like
1: yeah, yeah, just drive it with the preamp and use a lower output pickup. A lot of um, a lot of the some, well, not a lot of them, some of the metal guys do that. Um, some of them still want a really super hot pickup. So if you're just, if you're, if you have like, say you got a Fender Super Reverb and uh, your current pickup, it's not breaking the amp up quite as much as you would like it to then put a little bit hotter pickup in there and uh, that'll take care of that just like that. Or if you want a cleaner sound, you go with a lower output pickup. So most of our, our me, median range stuff is set up to play through like a Fender. Turn the volume up a little bit and you can use the volume control on the on the amplifier to get clean or dirty. And it's just kind of right, right on the edge of breaking it up at about well, like four and a half for a humbucker or maybe six for a single coil. You know, so the medium median stuff like our blackface strat, six point two K, that'll start breaking up pretty good at about six on a, on a Normal fender, vintage fender amp. So, um, you gotta kind of know your amp and, and how much it wants to see and what, what do you want the pickup to do. You know, and a lot of it's tonal too. You know, certain outputs gonna give you a certain amount of bass too and mid range. So, you know, if you're looking for more bass and mid range, generally you might want a pickup that's a little bit hotter. Mm-hmm but it's you know the really resistance is just a really poor way to determine what a pickup's like cuz it might not have the same gauge coil wire and it could actually read really low but it could be really hot actually because the bigger diameter coil wire has less resistance per foot All right okay every turn you put around it's got less resistance than a narrow uh, than a smaller diameter coil wire So you might have a coil that reads 1.6K that's hotter than one that reads 7K.
0: It's crazy how much difference that
1: actually makes. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the other thing that happens all the time is uh, a pickup will be sitting in a UPS truck in Arizona all day long. And then they deliver it to the guy and he pulls it out of the box and it's reading like, 11k when it actually is should be reading about seven because the heat you know it makes the resistance go way up and cold makes it go down and it doesn't make any difference in the sound so people are always judging oh it must sound like this if it's that many
0: ohms well it doesn't work that way so when you're designing pickups and testing them what kind of environment do you test them in do you have like a certain temperature you do it at? Well, our, our shop temperature varies, but it's usually around 70 degrees, but
1: yeah. it, it varies. So we do keep track of the ohms, but we don't, you know, once when you wind the coil, it's running through a little felt tension, mm-hmm. and that's adding heat because it's running the wire's running through that felt tension under quite a bit of tension. So it's like rubbing, uh, you know, your knuckles against the carpet. You know, it's yeah. creating heat. And so you you wind the coil and you measure it right after it's wound, it's going to be high. And then the next morning, it's going to be down where you would expect it to be, just from that little bit of amount of heat. Uh, So we're between probably like 68 and 72, and we keep track of the uh, the, um, resistance, but we don't pay that much attention to it, as long as it's not like way off one end or the other. What we look at is the uh, inductance of the coil. It's a whole different measurement, and uh, that tends to remain stable no matter what the, the air temperature is. Right, so that's a better judge of consistency. Yeah, and, that's, and we can tell by the inductance if the turns per layer is off or if it's the wrong uh, coil uh, wire gauge or if it's the wrong magnet that we put in mm. there. It, yeah. It'll show you that something's off, and it'll be one of those things, and you just have to figure out, okay, what did we do wrong here? We shouldn't have that often, but everything, you, you have to, if you're not using an inductance
0: meter, and a lot of guys don't, you're probably going to have problems with consistency. That's really interesting. I had no idea that that was the measure that you'd use and actually make sense the more I think about it.
1: Yeah, and it's something that, you know, if you told the public what the re- inductance was, they wouldn't have any idea what kind of range <laughs> it would be. Supposed to be in for that pickup, anyways. So it's not really something. Whereas you're so used to seeing resistance, uh, mm. you know that's what a lot of people judge off of. But it's not really resistance is futile. It's oh, it's all over the place. It's, it's- <laughs> it can be all over the place. Yeah. If you hold a pickup in your hand and you you take a measurement of the resistance and then blow on it a couple times, it, the the resistance will go up. Mm. you'll see it
0: or put it in your pocket or whatever. So what's next for Lola Guitars? What have you got in the pipeline?
1: Oh, uh, well, let's see. We, we're always working on something. Uh, mm-hmm. We got a, uh, a gold foil pickup, that, that Tysco pickup that we started making uh, that set this big fat off with gold. everybody using gold foil on their pickups.
0: Yeah. Okay. What was that for? It's something I don't really come across.
1: It's, uh, it's an old Japanese pickup that sounds really good. Um, mm-hmm. and we, it's kind of an odd size. First, we released the standard one that was just like on the Japanese guitars. And then we made one that sit, that fits in a P90 ring. So you can put it in a P90 guitar. Now we got one that fits in a, a humbucker ring. And in- internally they're the exact same thing which um a lot of times you can't go from a, a p90 to a, a humbucker without changing the the uh, coil geometry which screws everything up but in this case it's they' it's all internally the same and so we got that going and I'm sure that's gonna be a big hit because the uh, the gold foils were such a big hit in the first place and um we got some other seven strings. Uh, pickups going on that uh, um, that are coming down the pipeline soon so we're always trying to work on something and and make something new uh, and keep ahead of everybody you know any, any more, it's been people copy us we don't want to be copying them so unless it's like Leo Fender or something like that but <laughs> mostly Pickups, so no, nobody's making anymore. That enough people want, then we'll we'll look into making them. We do that a lot. So,
0: yeah, no, it's, it's surprising because uh, I mean Seymour Duncan went through a period just to throw a bigger name out there. It's just like you know, years ago they were pumping them out like it seemed like every month or something, but they seem to have backed off doing that now.
1: Oh, well, they've had a lot of changes, uh, or, you know, in their company, and um, Seymour has always been. Pretty supportive um, of other people. It's it's very yeah. cool. I I talk to Lindy Fraylan a lot, and we've mm-hmm. even sell each other parts and have gone in on molds and stuff. And, yeah, you know, what we make is different enough that it's not. There's no. There's very little competition really. It's competitive, but it's not like somebody's gonna screw you over or anything. Or,
0: or they won't talk to you. Or they won't. So what's that like speaking to them about that? Is it very much like you're in your element talking to them, and you're just loving the process, wanting to make the great, great products and stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We a lot are doing a lot of the same kind of ideas, you know, about how to how to go about it and how to run your company and how to advertise and all, all that stuff. You know, it's. Um, and when somebody has a question, where did you get this or where would you get that? How did you do this? How would you do that? We usually will give the information out because you're going to get some back in the future. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time, Jason. It's Absolutely. Been really insightful for me personally, just to just to listen to you talk about the things. And I, I kind of knew a little bit around it, but the, the specifics about how consistency really plays a big part in creating better oh, pickups. Yeah. It's it's just something that's so key. Um, You wouldn't normally normally think of that, you know, not doing it yourself. No, you wouldn't, but, like, that's why it's great to speak to someone who does it day in, day out, uh, over many years, and uh, you must have seen some, you know, shit shows in the past of pickups that you've gone, what the hell's going on here? Oh, absolutely,
1: yeah. Like, for instance, like, a a counter on a machine starting to not count right and then all of a sudden everything's all over the place, and you're like, what is it? You're looking at the wire, you're looking at this and that, and the last thing you look at, oh, the counter's not working.
0: So, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for watching and checking in. Uh, check out uh, Lola Guitars. They've got some awesome products. Uh, I think I may go buy something myself, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, hope you can like, subscribe to the channel, and uh, I will see you in the next show. Thanks so much.